a pioneer class today, um, and I think right now it's really just my sons, right? So that'll be fun. Um, tonight is the choir practice for Easter, so if you're a part of the Easter uh, musical thing that's going on, you're going to practice tonight, so please make sure you are there. I was told to stress that. Um, Tuesday at 10 a.m. is the gap prayer, and I believe that's here, correct? Anybody who comes to that, that's for the women? Yes, okay, thank you. Um, Friday, Neighborhood Outreach. If you're interested, uh, please contact Celeste. Celeste, will you raise your hand, please? Thank you. Um, and that's going to be this Friday? Is it every Friday? Or is it this? Okay, so we're fair weather outreach people, are we? Just kidding, just kidding. Just kidding. All right, cool. So if you have any questions, you can reach out to Celeste and she can direct you. Uh, let's see. Friday, 530, we're having the young adult group game night um, and cookout at the Swart home. So there will be more details. I believe I've seen some details already passed around about that. If you are a young adult, you probably are already on the text message group and so on and so forth. So, uh, But that would be this Friday. Uh, Saturday, 8 a.m. is the Young Women's Prayer, and that's at Gracie Beauvais' house. Um, at Saturday, 8 a.m. is also the Watchman's Prayer for the men at the church. Next Sunday, April 14th, Palm Sunday, is our Agape Feast at noon. It's going to be a fish fry, so bring a dish to pass and invite a friend to church, and we'll have that meal following services. I feel like we have Agape Feast every Sunday, though, so it's like... You know, I guess we have to label it something different once a month, but um, I love that time. I'm usually too late in line to get the food, but I love that time. So, uh, But it's going to be specifically a fish fry, so bring your fish. Uh, April 19th, Good Friday, 7 p.m., we have our communion service. Um, the Women's Summer Book Club, pick up an interest questionnaire and return your responses to the Agape Box. The Agape Box is back there. I'm not sure where the questionnaires are, though, but I assume they're near the agape box. That would make sense. So we're very logical at this church, and praise God for that. So women, if you're interested, please uh, fill out a questionnaire. Uh, April 27th, Saturday, 9 a.m., uh, we have a ministry leadership meeting for all ministries and, and leaders only. So if you're involved in leadership and ministry, then please plan to attend April 27th and Saturday at 9 a.m. Uh, May 11th, we have our church spring cleaning, and that'll be Saturday, uh, basically from 9 to 12. Um, as you see, our church isn't that big, so it shouldn't take that long, and we're pretty good at cleaning up after ourselves, I think. So, you know, this will be a, a good time. As always, it's a good time of fellowship anyway, and, you know, we can clean while we're doing it. And then June 12th, uh, which is a Wednesday, 7 p.m., we have a shared night of worship with Calvary Chapel Greer. Um, we did this last year, and this will be a worship night with the Small Giants. Um, they're from Costa Mesa, so that should be a good time. Um, and Pastor Greg had texted me, and uh, pick up my dry cleaning. Oh, wait a minute. He said he's praying for us and for us to have a blessed service, so um, 
we're planning on doing that. So why don't we pray and as we stand and, and prepare ourselves for worship. Lord, as always, we are grateful for this opportunity to be able to come together as a family, Lord, to, uh, Lord, to be able to worship you. Um, Lord, to be able to lift our hearts, our voices, our hands to you, Lord, as we, uh, Lord, bring you honor and praise, Lord. As we think about the things you've done in our lives, Lord, as we are uh, tuning our hearts to gratitude, Lord, for the work that you've done and you continue to do. We thank you that you are uh, continuing to work in our lives, Lord. And so, Lord, as we come with our hearts and our voices, Lord, we pray that you would um, prepare us to hear what um, Rob will be bringing to us, Lord, um, your word, Lord. And we know that it's a, it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths, Lord. So um, we trust in you, we rely on you, and we are grateful for, for you in our lives, Lord. So we love you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. You stood before creation, eternity in your hands. You spoke the earth into motion, my soul now stands. You stood before my failure. Carry the cross for my shame. My sin weighed upon your shoulders, my soul now to stand. So, what can I say? What can I do? Offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. So I'll walk upon salvation, your spirit alive in me. This life to declare. My soul now to stand. So what can I say? So what can I say? What could I do? And offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrender all. surrender 
With our hands to the heavens alive In your presence, oh God When you come So pour out your spirit We love to be near you, oh God When you come With our hands to the heavens alive In your presence, oh God When you come So pour out your spirit We love to be near you, oh God When you come Savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin a crimson stain he washed it white as snow oh now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And when before the throne I stand in him, Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Jesus. Jesus.
Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. It is well. 
with my soul. It is well, it is well with my Sweet to hold 
feel the pride and joy he gives but greater still the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days because he lives and because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives Because he lives And then one day I'll cross the river I'll fight life's fight No Gives way to victory. I'll see the light of glory, and I'll know He lives because He lives. I can face tomorrow. Because he lives 
person life is worth. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen. You guys may be seated. Take this time now to do uh, our prayer time. Pray as you feel led, as the Spirit leads you. Um, If you feel led to read Scripture, please read it aloud. Pray aloud so we can all join in with you. And um, let's pray as the Spirit leads. Lord, how awesome it is that through death there is life. Lord, and you not have only given us life, you've given it to us abundantly. Lord, because of what we celebrate, not only on one day that the world celebrates, Lord, but every day we celebrate your resurrection and life, Lord. Lord, every day we live in gratitude that you plucked us out of the grave, took us out of the miry pit and set us upon the rock, the rock of our salvation. Lord, we know that all the others are still in their tombs. Muhammad's in his tomb. Confucius is in his pot. Lord, even Grant's in his tomb. Lord, but we know, Lord, that you are alive. The tomb is empty, Lord. And uh, we are so grateful that the same spirit that raised you from the dead is alive in us. Lord, we can claim that. As we're always reminded, we are not fighting for any victory. We're fighting from the victory of Jesus Christ. Lord, we are so grateful that we can sing these songs of life. And because of you and because of you living, Lord, Lord, we're able to bring the good news to this world. That there is life and there's life in you.
one body. Um, as a family, Lord, that's brought together by your blood, and we are so grateful for that. Lord, having brothers and sisters that we are closer with than even our blood relatives, Lord. Um, it's such a blessing that you have made that way, Lord. And as we come in prayer, Lord, um, lifting up these requests, Lord, there are so many that I'm sure you're hearing that have not even been verbalized. Lord, maybe some anxieties and fears, some anguish and heartache, some rejoicing, Lord. Um, prayers for wisdom and open doors for employment, relationships, children, grandchildren, Lord finances, Lord. And we are so grateful, Lord, that even if we don't use the words of our mouths, Lord, that you hear our hearts. Lord, we don't come doing this as an act of religion. We come this doing this, Lord, as a, a walking out of our faith, Lord, knowing that you hear our cries. Lord, that your ear is bent to us. That's still amazing to me, Lord, that the God of creation allows us to come into the throne room and, and talk and that you listen and you care and you love us. Thank you for that intimacy. Thank you for that love for us. And uh, as Lucas prayed, Lord, about this area, Lord, we, we thank you for this church, Lord, that believes in you, that loves you, that stands on your word. Lord, we thank you for a pastor that walks in truth. Lord, and we pray for your pastors today, Lord, throughout the world, that there will be truth spoken. Lord, we know that strength comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that faith is grown and, and, and flourishes by hearing your word, Lord, and knowing who you truly are. So often people use the Bible as a choose-your-own-adventure book and kind of pick and choose what they want, Lord, instead of taking it from beginning to end and seeing the awesome and gracious God that you are, who is long-suffering, who is merciful, who is right and just. But the root of all that you do is love. Lord, we are so grateful that you bestowed those things within us with your fruit, love, the Spirit, Lord that you've given us those attributes to have, Lord, and to call our own. And we know they're supernatural. And uh, we, are, we are grateful that, Lord, they are powered by you. So, Lord, we pray that you would uh, anoint our church, Lord. We pray that you would bless this country. We are in turmoil, Lord. Um, there's a lot going on. Lord, let your light shine, Lord, not be hidden under a bushel. Too many of churches are hiding their light, Lord. And sadly, and not in judgment, but sadly, a lot of them don't even have your light. So, Lord, we pray that you would explode in those churches, Lord, that you would become alive. Lord, that your power would be known, Lord. Lord, that there would be an army that would be raising up, Lord. Not in emotion, Lord, but in strong faith, Lord. Lord, it's very easy to get caught in the emotion of things, Lord. We don't want that. Lord, we know, Lord, that you, there is truth in you, and we stand on the truth, the truth in love, Lord. Lord, so we pray that you would be with our president, Lord. Give him wisdom. Put your mighty warriors around him, Lord. We know the enemy wants to take him down. And um, Lord, we know that there's chaos going on in this world, Lord. So we pray for the peace of Jerusalem as you've called us to pray. Lord, that we pray that your hand would be um, very evident. Lord, we know the enemy does not win. Lord, so we pray that you would be glorified, Lord. And Lord, we pray you come soon. Lord, we pray that if our hearts are not bent in that direction, that you, Lord, would draw us to you. Lord, that we would desire to see you come soon, Lord. But in that would bring for us that fervency of prayer for others, Lord. Lord, we all have a list of people that we desire to know you, Lord, that we cry out, that we're on our hands and knees daily crying, Lord, in anguish, Lord, for our loved ones, our friends, our coworkers, 
um, to know you, to have that peace, Lord, that we have, that joy. But Lord, you are faithful because you say that you will leave the 99 to chase down that one. And there's a bunch of ones in here today, Lord. You chased us all down, and we are grateful for that. So, Lord, we pray you bless the rest of our service, Lord. We pray that you would speak through Rob, and, Lord, that it would be a blessing to us and, and to him as well, Lord. We, we thank you that, Lord, we're not limited to this, this building, Lord, but, Lord, that your body and your ministry is throughout this world. And so we can partner together and, as brothers and sisters. And what an amazing thing, Lord. We love you so much. And we come praying this boldly in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know if we have, do we have something for the little guys in the back? Does anybody know? Are we just hanging out here? Hanging out here today. Okay. All right. So we have Pastor Rob McLeay with us and his wife, Karen, uh, from Lifehouse Ministries. Um, he's spoken to him. I have not been here, but he has spoken to us before. Um, I feel like I've known you for at least 50 or 60 minutes because um, I just met you. But um, we are blessed to have Brother Rob here, and um, we're excited to see what and hear what he has to offer. So, Rob, please. Thank you. Good morning. It is an honor and a privilege to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It truly is. Um, I look forward to to presenting God's message. Um, When I was talking to Pastor Greg about this today's service, he said uh, a message of faith. We need faith, don't we? This is a faith walk. I mean, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, a new journey begins and things begin to change. The title of today's message is called uh, Putting on the Apron. And as a 20-year veteran in the Marines, putting on the apron is not my most favorite topic or or title of a message. I would rather have uh, been able to use the title Putting on the Armor of God. That would sound more Marine. uh, But putting on the apron, what does that even mean? We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 17. I'll read verses 5 through 10. I use the New Living Translation, so you might have a word or two that may be a little, a little different. But basically, uh, I'm going to start with verse 5. It said, the apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. It's a pretty good question, isn't it? I think most of us, we're wanting to have more faith, greater faith. It said, the Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, May you be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. When the servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, your version may say cattle, does the master say, come in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal, put on the apron, and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, We are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the privilege and the honor to share this message. I pray that our ears would be open to your truth and that you would anoint me to to share clearly the message that you've prepared in my heart for this group of believers. Amen. The apostles said, show us how to increase our faith. I've asked that question myself, and I, I was... As I looked at what Jesus' response was, it kind of 
tells me a little different. Jesus is saying what? You don't need a lot of faith. You just need a little faith. You see, it's not faith necessarily that moves, that makes things happen, but it's our obedience to what God has told us to do already. I know that might confuse some of you. It does take faith. Don't get me wrong. Only a little faith. This is a message more about lordship, service, obedience. See, a lot of us know what we're supposed to do. We just don't do it. Well, wait a minute. I got excuses. I have reasons why I can't. You don't understand. I'm busy. I've got commitments. I've got a schedule to maintain. So what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says in the King James, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In my 30 years walking with the Lord, though, he gave me a definition, a personal definition, and he said, faith is trusting and believing in God, that, and I will achieve the things God desires to accomplish through me for his purpose. Did you hear what I said? Trusting and believing in God. And then I will achieve the things that he has purposed for me to do. And see, we can't sometimes get our arms around it that God has a plan for you. And that plan includes reaching other people. Found people, find people. Does that make sense? When you were lost and he said, I called you by name and I gave you hope. One could assume that great achievements are a result of great faith. Is that necessarily true? The Lord says, if you have even small faith, mustard seed faith, I call it. Now, I could feel the Holy Spirit really staring that this is about, uh, about, there's someone here that really needs to understand this message. It is about doing what God has told you to do, giving complete ownership. Sometimes we want to be in charge of our lives. When you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, Lord and Savior, it's twofold. Salvation comes with the cost. We are supposed to make ourselves available to our, surrender our will to his will. Amen. Faith does not require it to be big to achieve big results, but it does require a relationship with God. The deeper your relationship is with God, the deeper your trust in him is. And then you're able to achieve those things. When he says, I need you to do this, you just say, yes, Lord. In the Marines, they have a term called willful obedience to orders. You don't question it, you just do it. I will tell you how to do it, when to do it, where to do it, and you just do it. Execute the order. Very simple. That's why God loves Marines. I don't know if you know that, but he does. He loves Marines more than any other service. I know that offends some, but he does. Why? Because of willful obedience to orders. Do what I tell you to do. Aye, aye, sir. And accomplish the mission at all costs. Aye, aye, sir. That is the core of who I am. And Lifehouse Ministries is about a, a vision of helping God's children. He said, I am the father to the fatherless. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this, where this is going and how God can use even anyone. It doesn't require an education or a certain background. It's a willing heart. I, want to remind, I was reminded of the story of Noah. One could assume Noah was a man of great faith. I want you to think about this. In Genesis 6, I'm just going to paraphrase it. It's a lot of read. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 through 22, it describes the story of Noah. We know that Noah was 500 years old when God spoke to him audibly. 
And he said, I want you to build a boat, a big boat. And what did he do? He built a big boat. And I want you to think about that for a moment because God did not speak to Noah for another hundred years. He left him in silence. So here's a man who lives in an area where there is no water. He builds a boat where there are no boats. And and he said, God spoke to me audibly. Now, how many of you have ever heard God speak to you audibly? That was the same in his time. All right? No one else could raise their hand saying, I've heard God too. So he was a little bit on the extreme. So when you say great faith, Noah, did he have great faith? He had great obedience is what I would like to prefer. He trusted God already. He believed God was God. And he also believed he knew the voice of God. Do we not feel like we know the voice of God? Does he not say, my sheep know my voice? Of course he does. Of course you do. When you go to prayer and you read the word, you begin to discover who God is. You begin to hear his voice whispering to you. Stop doing this. Start doing that. Changing. We we talked about changes. Small incremental improvements that make you a different person than you were before salvation. See, that's our hope. I want to live a life that is so full of God that he says, this is my son. I am well pleased. And I'm sure most of us say the same thing, don't we? Do you love the Lord? Do you truly love the Lord? Will you give him control of your life? Will you put your trust and your faith in him? Him alone. Oftentimes, what do we want to do? I know the men are guilty of this. I'll fix it. I'll take care of it. I can make that happen. And we go in our own strength and our own might. And that disappoints God because he says, you're not trusting me. See, trust is about doing things no matter how ridiculous or how how uncommon it may seem, we still say, yes, Lord, I will. That's a stretch. It seems strange, but I will. How many of you know God's ways are not our ways? So let me give you a breakdown. Noah builds a boat in a desert where there is no rain, builds a boat where there are no boats, there is no water, and yet if he didn't have faith, if he didn't execute the plan that God had, you know what would happen? Nothing, and we wouldn't be here. Do you understand? We should be thankful to God that Noah was an obedient man. Have you ever thought that through? And Noah, if you don't know this, was in a ministry. He was in the care ministry. He had to care for animals, didn't he? And his family. So one of the reasons why we fail to do what God asked us to do, how many of you have ever failed God? Okay, he says, do this, and you know you're supposed to do it, but you made excuses, and at the end of the day, what happened? Nothing. Am I wrong? Am I the only one? I'll, I'll be transparent. I failed God before. But you know, after failing God one time, you know what I said? That will never happen again. Do you hear me? Peter failed God. And when Peter was restored, you know what he said? That will never happen again. And that's an attitude, sometimes we do need to fail once so that we understand that displeased my father. There's nothing worse, and we got to see these sons sitting here, I know they want to please their father. I know I still want to please my father. And a father's love is different from a mother's love. Moms may have compassion, but we want our father's love and respect and adoration. That means more than any one thing. 
to most of us. If you say, what do you want? I want my daddy's love. I want his attention, and I want uh, to know for sure that he's pleased with me. So, you know, when I stepped out into Lifehouse, and this has been about five years ago, I went into ministry. I was over 50 years old. I'm 55 years old before I actually decided to pursue a degree, uh, the ordination or licensing process in the Church of God. And a little late for ministry, there, there are brothers at 60 that are retiring. And here I'm just coming in. I turned 60 this year. I just received my bishop status, which is a higher level, so I now could take a church if it were available. And it's that as some are exiting the ministry, I'm really just ramping it up, just getting started, so to speak. But I've walked with God for 30 years, and not always well. Do you hear me? Not always had a pretty walk. I've taken wrong turns and made mistakes. And yet God is a restorer. God is a God of second and third chances. Somebody needs to hear that. Failing God is not the end of it. It's what you do after the failure. Repent. Stand up. Dust yourself off. And say that will never happen again. That means more to God. God told me this when he uh, sent me to Life Church. My wife can attest. We were in a group of 30. And my wife is a credentialed minister too. So we did this as a partnership. But... When we, uh, we had to do a nine-month internship at a church, and every other student ran out and met different pastors, and they were, if you will, networking their way into churches. But the Marine in me said, Lord, wherever you want to send me, I will go, wherever that is. And I got, if you will, assigned or orders to go to Life Church. And the pastor there, uh, as we went through our nine months, he prepared. I mean, we do everything from how to do a funeral, how to do a wedding, how to baptize, how to do foot washing ceremony, sacraments, all the different components of being a pastor, counseling people, that sort of thing. It's a great program. But he mentioned this pro, uh, a vision that he had for a, a children's home called Lifehouse. And that program had been, or that vision had been, uh, about 10 years old, or near 10 years old. It is now 10 years old. And um, he asked if I would entertain directing the program. So uh, we, we prayed about it, and I said, well, you know, God may have other plans for me. He may send me somewhere else or decide to give me a church or whatever. And I said, let me pray about it. So I went to prayer, and I said, Lord, what are you going, do I do this or not? And uh, he said, do it. And I said, but what if the denomination wants to give me a church? He said, they're not going to give you a church. I said, but what if they want to, son, stay where you are. I sent you there for a reason. I sent you there for a season. I said, yes, Lord. So I tra transferred my membership to the church that I'm at now, from Pelzer Church of God to its life church is Dacusville. It used to be Dacusville Church of God. And we began to live and operate as administrative pastors there, and with the premise that we would direct the efforts of Lifehouse Children's Project. So when I asked, I said, tell me a little bit about the vision, and he gave me some thoughts on it, and, and I realized that i got to go to prayer because this is much bigger. It's like building an ark. It was much bigger than, than I. And I decided that I needed to spend time with my father because I did not have the faith I could do this. You see, it was bigger than I was. And I want to talk about that in just a minute. 
all the excuses, internal and external, that will help or hurt a ministry. So I uh, go to prayer, and, uh, and, and the Lord began to share to me about where we were going and how to do it. How many of you know Noah received the exact information needed to build an ark? How many of you know Noah was not an ark builder? <laughs> right? Didn't even know what an ark was until God told him. I didn't know what a life house was to God. I didn't even know what a Dacusville was to God told me. All right? You got to bear in mind, I lived in San Diego, California, Hawaii. I've been to Ohio, Virginia, North Carolina. I've lived everywhere, and now I live in Dacusville. Born in Santa Monica, how do you get to Dacusville? <laughs> Only by God, I promise you. How much money do we have? to work with. He said, well, we've raised a little money. And when he said a little money, well, he wasn't kidding. It was $3,597. And by my roughest calculations, the project is $2.5 million. Wow, that's crazy. Why would you do that? All of that, remember I told you the internal? <laughs> Let me tell you about the voices in my head, okay? That doesn't make good sense. I remember saying that out loud. That don't even make good sense, that we're going to try to build with $3,597. God said, my ways are not your ways. I remember saying, it's too big for me. He said, trust in me, says the Lord. <clears throat> I will never give you more than you can bear. I remember saying, it's beyond my ability. He responded, this is true. So when it's accomplished, you cannot take credit for it either. <laughs> Amen. So we want the pat on the back. Look, I built a big boat. Isn't it big? Isn't it huge? Isn't it pretty? And everybody go, wow, that's a great boat. We want to take credit for things that we don't deserve the credit. I told the men, I, I shared a little bit about Lifehouse a few weeks ago. You know what I am to God? I know I'm his son. But he called me his hammer. And in his hand, we can build houses together. Never build a house. I have no background experience with building houses. But you know what I do have? I have experience loving children. You hear what I'm saying? God said, I am the father to the fatherless. And we've, in our life, have uh, helped raise three foster children. And I realized the need is real. Babies need homes. They need parents to love them. They need people that will not only love them, but share the message of hope and truth, that God loves them, that God cares about them. Now, I'm not doing a fundraising event here, okay? I don't want you to think that. I want to give you a message about doing what God tells you to do because he tells us all different. How many of you know we all have different talents? He said, some I gave five, some I gave ten, some I only gave one. Whatever your talent is, use it for the Lord. Use it to advance the kingdom of God. I told you about the, the voices in my head. There's one more, that God won't do it for me. God won't do that for me. God says, what a lie. I will do whatever you will trust me in your life to do. God is able By stepping out of faith, 
by stepping out in the Lifehouse Children's Project vision. It has introduced us to so many different brothers and sisters, even y'all. That's how I met y'all. God has what I believe a divine appointment for us to meet. If I will walk in his ways, he will lead me to a path of righteousness and introduce me to other people, like-minded people, who will do what he has asked them to do. Speaking here today is not an accident, it's an appointment. You hear me? That God loves you. And God is saying to his people right now, trust me in all that you do. I want to talk about the external conflicts, the voices in my ear. Because there have been voices, and they're not always encouraging voices. How many of you know when you step out of faith, the devil comes to meet you? Some people say they put a bullseye on it. I like to think it's more like hitting a hornet's nest. You see, as long as you're talking a vision, the devil's like, all right, with that, talk it. But when you break ground, and they're laying block, and a house is going up, and now children are being assigned. There's a family of 10 living in that house today, the first house. And we're ready now. We're getting ready to do our groundbreaking ceremony for house two. It's been slow. But you know what God says? My timing is not your timing. You know, if we build it too fast, you know what would happen? People wouldn't be ready and the right kids wouldn't be in the right home. How many of you believe that? I have a vision for a campground, a Christian campground that's 30 years old. We know Abraham had to wait, didn't he? How long did he wait? I can tell you, it's 25 years, okay? Because <laughs> I, when I crossed the 25-year mark, I said, Lord, even Abraham at 25 got his vision fulfilled. How much longer do I have to wait? And you know what his answer was? There were people that I have ordained to help you that hadn't even been born yet. You believe that? That some of the people that God has for you to help you in ministry may not even been born when he gave you the vision. So you have to wait patiently. Confusion and discouragement will come when God gives a vision or God gives you an assignment, a ministerial calling. See, when you decide to walk by faith and give him complete lordship of your life, that says, Lord, I will do whatever you ask me to do. That was my <laughs> New Year's resolution. Whatever you ask me to do, Lord, I will do. Wherever you ask me to go, I will go. How many of you know God is a God of test? Well, you can talk it. Let me see, son. Are you really about what you will? Are you, are you a man of your word? My wife can tell you that came with an immediate test, January. Go into your 401K and make a huge withdrawal. It was huge to me. And you could argue, well, that's not a lot of money. But anyway, the point was is that he made it very personal. Well, Lord, wait a minute. That money is for my wife. If something were to happen to me, I've got that money set apart. Who do you trust, son? Do you trust me? Do you believe? Are you hearing my voice? Or is this just some voice in your head? Lord, I know your voice. Then do what I told you to do. Yes, Lord. And I did it. I had to ask my wife for her opinion and her approval, if you will, because she is a woman of God. And she reminds me continually, you know you're not the only one that hears the voice of God. I don't say that being ugly. I'm saying that she does hear the voice of God. And when he affirms and confirms, because he will do that with two, and then we're in complete agreement, and we can step off smartly doing what God has told us to do. With faith comes test. 
And how many of you know during a test, teachers don't talk? Say, I told you. Uh, Noah, at 500 years old, was given an assignment to build a big boat. God gave him very specific instructions. And then the word tells us that God did not speak to Noah again for 100 years. Why the delay? I think I have the answer. It was a big assignment. God left him alone to do what he was told to do. You see? I don't need to distract him. Just let him do what he needs to do. And he did. Confusion and discouragement. Other believers you trust will have an opposing view of how to do it. I'm sure there were people who had an opinion. I wouldn't build it that way. I would build it this way. I've heard all of those things. And I'm going, but we took the plans and laid them before the Lord, and the Lord honored it. He blessed it. He gave us the logo. He gave us the mission statement. He gave us the drawings. He gave us the people. I would say, Lord, I don't know a contractor. I don't know. And he would bring them. I had our architect said, I am so glad you called. I so wanted to be involved in this project. I'll do it pro bono. Thank you, Lord. Starting with $3,597. And the first man says, I won't charge you anything. And then the brother says, I'll do your foundation. I won't charge you anything. Can you buy the block? How much will that be? About $400. Yeah, we got that covered. God is able. No matter how big. See, I could sit there and look at the $2.5 million, but you know what I choose to look at? Just what's right here in front of me. I'm not building seven houses all at one time. We're building and doing as God opens doors for us to achieve those things. Noah couldn't just sit there looking at the, the, the length. If he mapped it all out saying, all the material. How do you think that arrived? How do you think he acquired all the material? In my experience with God, God provided the materials. I bet there was someone who said, hey, I got this shipment of wood. I don't know what to do with it. Do you, you think you could use it? And I'm sure he was going, absolutely, I, have a, I could use it. That's how God works. I shared before uh, to the men, I have a picture of a fire hydrant. I can't tell you the number of times during this two years that we've been down to $3,500. That's a special number in my heart. Because it's a number that says, quit looking at what you need, what you think you need, and just trust me. I will provide all your needs. The estimate to put water in Lifehouse cul-de-sac was $26,000. We had 3500 in the bank. And on a Thursday, I received a written estimate. And, uh, and I was told that the water department is a nonprofit, that we really can't give you a break because we're a nonprofit. Makes sense. I said, I understand. It's $26,000. Well, I have to go to prayer because we don't have $26,000. But on Monday when I came in, there was a group of men that had already cut up the road and run water mains and there's a fire hydrant and I was like freaking out. Oh my goodness, they don't pull the trigger. Who told them to do that? I shared that with the men. You don't understand how real that was to come in knowing $26,000 just happened and I didn't approve it and we don't have the money to cover it. How many could say I would panic? I did. And when I went over to the men, I go, what are y'all doing? They said, it's not what we're doing. We're done. It's done happened. And I went, who told you to do this? And they said, our boss told us to do it. Well, who's your boss? And they named a name I've never heard. 
And then when I, I called this brother, and it turns out to be a brother, he said, Rob, in the name of his company, and I'll use it, is Garcon. He said, the Lord has given you favor, Lifehouse favor with Garcon. Like it's a person. Because to him, his work is his ministry. And he is doing what God has told him to do. You see how God's, your faith in God, he can stir a man's heart over here to do what he wants done. Again, faith is trusting and believing and achieving the things that God wants done with you for his purpose. That's what real faith is. Can you trust and believe? And then you'll be able to achieve what God wants to do through you for his kingdom. That's faith. $26,000 paid for fire hydrant I take a picture of it and I share that as a stone of remembrance of the good things that the Lord has done that's just one I could talk shingles I could talk plumbing I could talk insulation I could it just continues and continues and continues criticism is the next thing you'll hear in your when you you'll be tempted to quit early you'll be quit tempted to walk away my wife can tell you that's true how many times have I said, if I could leave right now, I would leave. And I've had people go, why can't you leave? Everyone else does when there's conflict in a church, right? When things don't go your way, isn't that what people do? Don't we just leave? Go somewhere else? There's another church. Find another one. That's not what God said to me. What did God tell me? Stay where I put you. And I have to stay until he releases me. Not because I'm a minister. I would have done that if I were a parishioner. Because I'm a good Christian soldier. I do what I'm told, when I'm told, how I'm told. And if he gives me an assignment to an area, I stay there till he moves me. And he'll move you. He stirs my heart, and I know the timing is getting close. And I say, man, baby, I can feel it. Whenever I look at our grass in the Marines, we moved every 18 months for two, over 20 years. Get into that habit. I've been here 20 years, and we've moved about four times. And the point is, is that he puts this restlessness in my spirit where I know it's time. I can almost see a cloud or a pillar of fire moving in front of me, and I know it's time to move. The second part of this is about serving Christ. He says, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does the master say, come in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal, put on your apron. Again, I said, this is a strange topic, isn't it? Put on the apron. Men, he's talking to us. Put on your apron. And I know it doesn't sound macho, it doesn't sound manly, but it sounds what God would want. He came as a suffering servant, didn't he? He put on his apron. If you read the last night, he said he girded himself with a towel and he kneeled at their feet and he watched feet. Where the master becomes the servant and he washed their feet. And we know what Peter said. No, you're not going to wash my feet. And what did he tell Peter? If I don't wash your feet, you're not getting into the kingdom of heaven. Oh, wash my head to toe, Lord. I'm here. Hit me. That's right. You see, don't play games with God because it's life and death. He has the power, right? He has that authority. Serving Christ threefolds. The first thing that stood out, I said, Lord, what do I, what do I share to the people of this congregation? He said, when they come in from plowing, I want you to think about plowing for a moment, farming. 
We have been given a great commission. What is that great commission? Go out into the world and preach the gospel, right? Make disciples, baptize, right? I'm paraphrasing. Is it up there? No. Um, see if you have uh, Matthew 8, 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told the disciples, I've been given all authority in the heavens and on the earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of age. And I was talking about all this discouragement. I was talking about the conflict, the, the voices in my ear. I would go to prayer. We live right at, behind our church. I mean, literally, right like behind your church. And I come up to the church, and I want to give you an illustration. I want you to see this because these voices were resonating to a point. They hurt my mind, hurt my spirit. Why are y'all so slow? How come you ain't got this done? Why'd y'all do that? What a waste of money. What a waste of t- criticisms, critics everywhere. Arm, armchair quarterbacks exist in the church. How many of you know that? They will. And their voices resonate in one's ear who's stepping out by faith. And it's like the devil is magnifying it, trying to stop a good work. So what's the answer? Kneel before the Lord. Humble yourself. And he will What? Lift you up. And I remember crying out to the Lord, and our church is very similar. Imagine four wide, but I was over here kneeling and praying. And I was saying, Lord, am I the only one? How many of you heard that line before? Elijah, does that sound familiar? Am I the only one that hadn't kneeled before Baal? And what did God say? I have 7,000 in reserve. Okay? Quit feeling sorry for yourself. And I'll tell you what God said. But I'm over here crying out, Lord, woe is me. Oh, I'm a martyr. I'm a victim. I'm a blah, 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 blah. I need a puppy, right? Anyway, and he said, son, first of all, I'm here with you. Do you hear me? I am here with you. And secondly, look to your right. And it was like I looked all the way down. And on the other side of our church, on the front row, is my wife. And he said, I've given you a helpmate to help you pull this load. You see, I'm not in ministry by myself. I'm in ministry with my partner, my, my wife. We pull this together. So you're not alone ever if you don't have a husband or a wife. You have God himself with you in all things. So what is Plowing. It's about teaching and mentoring new believers, sharing the good news, working the spiritual needs of the people. So often he's saying, when you come in from plowing, when you've been working in ministry about the spiritual needs, and this is mostly pastors, deacons, teachers, you know, the ladies, those that are truly plugged into ministry. Now it could be you. You go to your job, you share the message, you're praying for people, you're going to visit people in the hospitals, you're visiting people that are shut in, you're, you're doing work, church work, ministerial work. You're trying your best to be a good follower of Christ. You're sharing the good news message of hope. He says, when you come in from that, I'm talking plowing, I'm going to get to taking care of the sheep because that's the second part. And he says, when you come in from plowing, 
or taking care of the, of the sheep. So what is taking care of the sheep? I thought about that, and he gave us a second commissioning. It's called the care commission. And that's found in Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46. Now, I'm, can't, I'm not going to read it for time purposes. I'm not going to read it all. But I want you to understand the just of it. Christ damned some people, and he blessed some people. He said, when I was sick, when I was thirsty, when I was naked, when I was in jail, you did these things for me. And they said, when did we do that for you, Lord? He said, when you did it to the least, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me, the least. Now, are all the least supposed to be believers? Not necessarily, but you should take care of the believers. And then we take care of those in need in our communities. And this is what I want to share just for a few minutes. He said, I tell you the truth, verse 40. The king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So I think about that. How often does God tell us to do something good for someone? Someone in need, physical needs I'm talking about now. The physical needs of people. People that need prayer. People that are in the hospital. I visited a man yesterday that doesn't go to our church. He's been in the hospital 30 days and no ministers come to visit him yet. Or at least that's the impression I got. And God stirred in my heart. I needed to go visit this brother. And I don't say this boastingly, but that man needed to hear from a message from God that God has still with him. That God hadn't forgotten him. That he is still on God's radar. Laying in a hospital bed, you can feel pretty glum after, think about it, I can't go nowhere. Been there 30 days and probably not going to be released anytime soon. But the point is, is that God wants people to know he loves them. And how does he typically do that? He does that through us. We're to stir, we're to reach. He said, when you come in from plowing, when you come in from taking care of the sheep. So you've been doing ministry all this time. Guess what we want to do? Man, I'm just ready to sit down. I need a nap. I say that all the time. I am just wore out. Karen will tell you, Thursday's the only night we don't do ministry. That's our night. And typically we take naps. But any other night, there's something going on. And you know what happens to busy Christians? We don't have time for God. This is about putting on the apron now. He said... Putting on the apron. What did he say? Let me go back and find it. He said, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does the master say, come and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal and put on your apron and serve me while I eat. When I first read that, I was like, man, that almost sounds kind of, wow, serve me while I eat. Like I haven't done enough work. Now you're, I mean, it's kind of like, Task masking, isn't it? You know what his point was? We all of a sudden, we can get so wrapped up in serving other people that we don't have a relationship with the Father anymore. We've allowed it to become a huge wedge in our life. I'm too busy for God. I don't have time to read my Bible. I haven't really prayed. You, you throw these 30-second Hail Mary prayers. My Father who art in heaven, bless, bless this day, right? Bless my food. Bless my food becomes your... Your typical prayer. Well, I prayed today. I blessed the food three times. That's sad, guys. 
And I say that with love, but it is sad. This is the message from the Lord. And he's saying is this, make time for me. You hear me? Make time for me. Serve me. Put on your apron and take time to serve me. That is, you know what time really translates in our language? Love. You want to hear the truth? Ask these children. Do you want this toy or do you want to spend time with dad? They'll probably say, well, it's 50-50. Depends on what kind of mood he's in. Right? That's what my boys would say. If he's in a good mood, I'll have to take dad time. If he's in a bad mood, I'll take the toy. We're human, right? So, Romans tells us, so faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. When you're faithless or you feel like I'm running low on faith, I can encourage you this, is to take the word of God and read it aloud. I stand in our church. And like I said, our church is a little bigger. But I'll stand right here, nobody in the room, and I begin to read the word of God aloud. And I read it like it's full. The place is full. Why? I want my voice to hear his word resonating greater than the critics of, that I've been listening to. I want those critics' voices drowned out by truth. And that strengthens my spirit to keep going. We are all unworthy servants who should simply do what our duty. Fulfill the purpose that God has given you. So what is your personal purpose? I find this is to be the shortcoming of most believers is we just don't know. What did God purpose you to do? How do you find out? Get on your knees and ask him, Lord, what do you want from me? When you step out of faith, he says, my sheep know my voice. And there was a testing as I told. I remember our first test was sell all that you have and give it to the poor. What? Sell all that you have. Now, I'm not boasting. I want you to understand. Noah building an ark wasn't boasting. He was doing what God told him to do. And God doesn't tell us all to build arks or for all of us to sell our possessions. Although it's, there are several examples of people who did in the Word. But the point is, is listening to God's voice. When it seems like, well, that doesn't make sense. Or, I don't know that I can do that. Do you remember the rich young ruler? He walked away sad because he had a lot of stuff. See, God tested his heart. You truly want to follow me? You truly want to be the man of God? Sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Not a very good message because we're an acquirer of things. God's blessings are evident in our own personal lives. How many of us have buildings and sheds and garages full of stuff? I'm not criticizing I'm just saying God has blessed us for what purpose? Those physical needs of people in need. I mean, we all run across people who are continually in need. Well, that sounds socialist. I'm not a socialist. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ who gave his all that we might have an abundant life. I'm almost done. And I asked, Lord, if I sold everything, why or who do we do it for? I mean, who do I give it to? And he came back with, Help my children, because I am the father to the fatherless. He said, build my children a home, and I will provide for them. Be my hammer, and we will build houses together. I shared to the men how the hammer came about. After selling everything, I had no hammer. We were in the building phase. 
And at my work in the desk, we can't have concealed weapons. Being a Marine, I got to have a weapon. I pull my drawer out, and there lays a big claw hammer. How many of you know a claw hammer can be a pretty intimidating weapon in the right hands? Anyway, I laid it on my desk so I said, I don't even have a hammer anymore. I need to take my hammer home so I can help with Lifehouse. And as I was getting ready to leave at the end of the day, my hammer's laying there so I don't forget it. God said, you see that hammer on your desk, son? I said, yes, Lord, I see it. He said, that's what you are to me. I said, I'm a hammer? He goes, yes, you're my hammer. In my hands, we can build houses together. You see, I don't know how to build a house. Haven't still don't know how to build a house. God has introduced me to different brothers who do have those skill sets. Some five talents and ten talents. All I am is just stepping out of the boat. Peter didn't know how to swim. Well, yeah, he did. He, we know he knows how to swim. But he wasn't concentrating on swimming the day he got out of the boat. He was concentrating on Jesus and walking from the boat to Christ. He didn't worry about sharks and worry about getting wet or whatever. He was just saying, Jesus is there. He's standing on the water. If he says, come, I'm going. And he called him. Lord, if it be, I will call me. He said, all right, come. So God is saying that to you. Come. Will you do what he asked you to do? Timing. I would say this. Be patient with God. His timing is much different from ours. Two years, it took us two years to build a house. It's paid for. There is no debt. Uh, the house uh, I shared to the men, we had about $220,000. It's a uh, 3,600, six-bedroom, four-bath, designed for a family of 10. It appraised for 470. We're not trying to sell houses. I'm not in a realtor market, but I'm just saying the blessings of God are evident so many people put their fingerprints on it out of love because they were faithful. I uh, used to ask God about money, and, I, and he said, stop asking me for money and ask me for favor. And I said, Lord, I need money. He goes, no, you need favor. My favor goes further than man's money. I can stir a heart with my favor to do what I want done. I can stir any heart I choose with my favor. And I said, all right, Lord, I want favor. Grant me favor then. Resources, I talked about asking for favor. His favor goes further. So no matter 2.5 million, I don't look at 2.5 million. I look at the next task is groundbreaking, the foundation, and going to dry. We need $100,000 to do that. We have about 18000 in the bank right now. You see, just stay on task, just right in front of me. Don't look at 2.5 because that's, that's a big number and it can be discouraging. Just look at what God has placed in front of you today and do what he told you to do. Trust, it requires patience and endurance. Tenacity, not to quit, but to endure the hardships, ignore the criticism and discouraging remarks. This, uh, this uh, discouragement will come. It's, there will be seasons of lack. Uh, there'll be moments of isolation. There'll be turnover. Our entire board has literally turned over. And you know what I look at it as an opportunity to bring fresh new ideas and fresh new faith into our group. And we're very much a non-denominational. Don't despise small beginnings. At $3,597, I don't despise it. I embrace it. 
But I lived in the beginning, I said, Lord, that's all we got is $3,500. It's a $2.5 million project. And he said, son, don't despise the small beginnings. I rejoice to see someone getting started doing the work. I will do what I said I will do. I will provide all your needs. See, never grow tired of doing good. That's the word of the Lord. Never grow tired of doing good. And I'm closing. Do not be the one who requires acknowledgement. I'm just a hammer. A hammer cannot take credit for building a house that the master has built. Does that make sense? John 14, verse 12 through 14. Verily, truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will... Do what, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. I have taken him to that. I have held on to that. I go and I say, Lord, your word tells me. I know you're a God who is able. Amen. Brother? Or, oh, I'm supposed to pray. Let me, let me pray then, and they're going to close. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry. A little new to this. Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray, Father, that the word would just resonate to your believers, your children, that you would write your truth in our hearts that we may not sin against you. And, Father, if we failed you, uh, I pray that we would repent, that we would make our personal vows and commitments to serving you, that we would put on the apron, Lord, and keep you first, that we would love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength and might, and that we would love others. And, Father, I pray that we would forgive those that have offended us, that we would be uh, forgivers, Lord God, that we would not hold grudges, and that we would let go of hard, hard feelings. I pray, Father, that you would bless your people and that we would uh, fulfill your purpose. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Thank you.
Refreshments in the back. Thank you.